Welcome once again to an Action Church Christmas. We are truly humbled and honored that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, I got a lot of new people usually at our Christmas services. At Action Church, uh, one, uh, one phrase or one word that may describe it is a little bit overwhelming. And so maybe for some traditionalists in here, you're like, what in the world? We went from drums to lights to videos, and it's just, it could be a lot. We just decided about eight years ago that, that Christians should have the most fun in the world, that we have this hope, we have this joy, Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, and so we just decided church doesn't have to be endured, that it can be actually enjoyed, and so that's just, that's just who we are, who we're going to be. We're honored that you're here, and I wanna, I wanna practice something really quick, because we're, we're maybe new friends, Maybe we're uh, new acquaintances. Maybe you're like, I'm never coming back here. But just do me a favor just for a moment. And uh, I'm gonna tell some jokes in a minute. That's why we're gonna laugh in church. But I don't really care if you think they're funny or not. Here's the thing. From this viewpoint with the lights on, I can't tell if it's a real laugh or a courtesy laugh. So I want for some of you, for the first time ever, on the count of three, I want you to give me your best laugh, fake laugh, courtesy laugh. Come on, at all of our locations. One, two, three. Feels great, I'm gonna be honest. Like from right here, super genuine, authentic. We had a moment, I feel like I'm gonna be invited over for Christmas dinner. And like the relative that you actually wanted to come to Christmas dinner, not the one that just keeps showing up. Does anybody have that relative in their family? You're like, we've moved at different days, different times, different cities, and they just keep showing up. I don't wanna be that relative. If you're not thinking of somebody, you are that relative. We'd love to be your church family, but maybe you should change some things about your, it's neither time, another time, another place. Hey, I wanna talk about Christmas today. Got a Christmas tree set up here. I was actually watching this comedian and, and talking about this with some of the team. When you actually think about what we do for Christmas, you break it down like just very simple. It, we, got, we got a little weird at some point. Like we just decided, somebody decided one day we're just gonna chop down a perfectly good pine tree and just bring it inside. <laughs> Growing outside, ecosystem, greenery, environmentally friendly, we're gonna chop that thing down for no reason, we're gonna bring it in and we're just gonna decorate it with random stuff from the house. Glitter, ribbons, lights. Anybody else have glitter all over your house right now? I just, I would like to rebuke the glitter balls in Jesus' name. If we could just go back to just simple, just do some weird things. We get our socks and we hang them over the fireplace. We shove candy in it. We call it stockings. Those are socks. At some point, dad puts some leaves in the house because he wants to kiss mommy. You know what I mean? A little mistletoe. Just weird things. And it's like we felt bad for what was happening when we brought everything outside, inside, that we now we start decorating our yards. Just taking everything that belongs inside, outside. Just weird things. And Pastor Eddie, I've offended everybody's Christmas traditions. Deep breath, I'm gonna keep going. How many real tree people do we have in here? Real tree yeah. people? It's getting less and less every service. It must be something that happens throughout the week. How many fake tree people? Yeah, yeah welcome home. Welcome home. We're, you're gonna love it here. I don't know why you would not get a, a fake tree. Just me personally, it comes in the proper shape and the proper form. You can get it pre-lit. I'm praying for it to be pre-lit, already with ornaments on it, ribbons on it, and just remote controlled straight from the garage to the living room. Anybody else in Jesus' name? Something else that happens around Christmas, we got Christmas trees, we got lights, we got stockings, we got gifts. Anybody love gifts? Raise your hand in here if you still haven't bought all of your gifts. You're sitting with your family, put your hands down. Come on, we, uh, I read a meme this week, maybe you've seen it on Facebook. 
It said, if you're still Christmas shopping, uh, be very nice to the retail employees because it's not their fault you waited till after Mary's water broke to get your gifts. Come on, that's funny. I want to talk about gifts for a second. That's the theme of our, our message today, the, the, the gift of this season. But there's four types of guys in here. I want to pick on the guys just for a moment. You give gifts at four different levels. The first level, you've given up on all sentiment, on all intentionality. You just give gift cards. You're going to Publix on the way to wherever you're going, and you're just giving random gift cards to your loved ones, which says, I did not think about you until this moment. Merry Christmas. Here's where I am. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, like a, there's like a sense of just heaviness in the room right here, Pastor Eddie. I think I'm just on everybody's toes. Here's where I am in life. I'm at where this is good enough. <laughs> Amazon delivers it this way, I give it this way. You know what I mean? You don't know what's in here, it's wrapped. It's in a box, it's got tape on it. This is what we call bare minimum, but I think this is where I'm gonna live for the rest of my life, here. Surprise. Here we are, here's the third level. Third level, we're, we're finally trying to get somewhere, a little Christmas cheer, it's the gift bag. Just joy in a bag. Comes with a little, little paper. And this is why all guys give gifts this way, because when guys wrap gifts, this is what it looks like. This is a gift from my tree. This is one whole roll of tape and three rolls of wrapping paper right here. And I still didn't wrap the whole box. It's gifts. Anybody ever gotten a bad gift for Christmas? Ever given a bad gift? If I have that relative like me that just gets you random stuff that like you've never asked for or wanted, like here, here's some mittens in Florida, or here's a double extra large cowboy sweatshirt. You're 11 years old. I'm sure one day you'll grow into it and switch teams. Like I don't even go for that team. Any bad gifts? Come on, you got a significant other in here, a spouse. You've been given a gift of something they want you to change. Like, here's a new wardrobe. Thank you. I didn't know I needed new clothes. You're totally different than I always wear. Ladies, you got your, your guy maybe some dumbbells. This is a year of lifting for you. <laughs> Guys, you've made the mistake of getting your wife like a treadmill or a gym membership, and then you didn't talk until New Year's. <laughs> the statement is new year, new you, not new year, new them. It's some bad gifts that have been given and wrapped and we're having some fun, but I wanna to get to this thought that the, the, the real gift of this season is the gift of Jesus. And it can be simple and it can be overstated and it can be traditional. But what I'd like to unpack for the next 15 or 20 minutes is the intentionality of our God to give us this, this gift of Jesus and what it means for you and for me. And, and at the end, how do we receive, properly receive this gift? Let's start in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given. Everybody say gift. Gift, gift. he's given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, his government and his peace. It will never end. James 1, 17 says this, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. It's a gift coming down for us. I wanna stop there for just a moment. The reason you can trust God is because in an ever-changing world, you serve an unchanging God. 
his character, his integrity, who he is. You can build your life on his word and his principles because his character, it stands the test of time. He never casts a, a shifting shadow. He never changes his character or who he is. He's, he's firm, he's foundational, and you can build your life on him. It is, it is a gift. It is a gift that you and I want to receive. But here's three things about this gift. God's gift, write this down if you're taking notes. God's gift is undeserving. God's gift is undeserving. Romans 6 says this, let's put it on the screen, team. Romans 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. You're like, wait a second, pastor. Just five minutes ago, you said this was gonna be fun. Well, the fun's over. <laughs> what you and I deserve is death. What you and I deserve is an eternity apart from God because an unholy group of people could not come into a proper relationship with a holy God. See, our sin and our mistakes, they disqualified us from his presence, which is why the gift of Jesus is undeserved. It's becoming more and more popular for people to say that that men and women that were inherently good. And they must not be in the world. And I know they've never served in one of our action kids at one of our locations. Come on, your kids may be cute, but they're sinful. Go back there for a second, sin everywhere. There's crumbs, there's poop, and there's sin in every room. And our sin, it separates us from God. We're born into this this sin nature that we inherited from the Garden of Eden, from Adam and Eve, and we cannot deserve this gift of Jesus. The gift of Jesus gives us the ability to connect with God for eternity, but we don't deserve it. Here's the second thing, write this down. God's gift is unearned. God's gift is unearned. Romans 11 verse six says this, and since it's through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Go back up to Romans 6, verse 23, says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's this grace that enters the scene, but it's not what we earn. We, as Christ followers, as Christians, it's phrased as a religion, but it's, it's a poor characteristic because all world religions are, are men and women creating a list of rules and regulations of do's and don'ts of things to do to achieve joy, peace, enlightenment, closeness. And that's not what happened with Christianity. It's not what we did or what we do to get to God. It's what he did through sending his son Jesus to get to us. Like you cannot earn this. Now, some of you do a better job of trying. You've seen that, that fail video lately? There's this couple walking up this, this hill, this dirt road, and it's covered in ice, and they keep getting up, and they keep getting closer, and they just keep falling down. That's what I believe the picture that I want to paint for us at this Christmas service is that you and I, at the top of this slope, this slippery slope, is, is being good enough for God. Let's call it God's glorious standard. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. So the glorious standard's at the top of the hill, and you and I are on this slippery slope trying to climb our way. If we're trying to earn it through religion, get it just good enough, just close enough. And some of us will get closer than others. 
Maybe you're young, maybe you're athletic, maybe you're light on your feet, maybe you do a lot of vegan protein, a lot of push-ups and sit-ups, and you're, you're gonna get really, really close. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be too slippery and we're all gonna end up back at the same spot, which means it doesn't matter how moral you are, how charitable you are, how good you are, how good your reputation is, we all fall short on our own. God's gift of grace is undeserved and it's unearned. The third one is this, write this down. God's gift, God's gift is unending. It's unending. Romans 8 verse 32 says, since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Everything else. God has at his fingertips, he's placed on the inside of you everything you need to accomplish everything he's calling you to accomplish. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. His gift of grace is unending. It did not stop on the cross. It does not stop when you get saved. It just begins. We think we raise our hand, we pray a prayer, we check a box, we come to church a few times a year, we do some good things that we've received this amazing grace and that amazing grace does save you and it's the greatest gift and it's the most important step for you to receive the grace of God through salvation but his grace does not not stop at salvation, it just begins. His grace saves you and his grace sustains you through everything, which means you need his gift of grace to be unending because you need it in your relationships. You need it in your business. You need it in your season of tragedy or trauma or chaos. You need it through your grief. You need the gift of grace that is unending. Don't leave it in these seats. Don't leave it in that auditorium. Don't leave it in your quiet time. You need the grace of God. It's a gift that can be received, but you cannot deserve it, you cannot earn it, and it will not end if you continue to allow God to lead you in your life. And I just need you to hear today that God cares about every detail of your life. Far too often we see God as this distant judge, creator, mythical figure, but God is in the details of your life. God is great. The greatness of God is real. The Bible says he holds the whole world, the whole universe in, his, in the palm of his hands. That he spoke and the whole world was created. Through his power, he raised Jesus from the grave. Blind eyes have been opened. Miracles have happened. Cancer has been removed. Dead, dead bodies have been given new life. There's been restoration. There's been addictions broken. There's been miracles. We believe in that at Action Church. That is the greatness of God. But you need to hear something very clearly to your situation today. There is also the goodness of God. Yeah. And the goodness of God says in the book of Psalms that he has a, a jar full of your tears, full of your anguish, full of the things that overwhelm you. And he counts those and he knows those. He knows every hair on your head. It says he's never closer to you than when you're brokenhearted. You have a friend and a father, the goodness of God, and he cares about the details of your life. I love how detailed our God is. When you really dive into his word, to the living word, to the Bible, to scripture, you see that there aren't mistakes, it's infallible, but you also see there's always something else happening behind the scenes. And I wanna close this Christmas service and, 
and cause us to, to seek him and to, to seek some new answers because there may be something going on in your life where it looks one way, but God is doing something in the details that is so different, that is so majestic, that is so intentional. And I wanna go to Luke 2 and, and close our time together in Luke chapter 2 for two reasons. One, I was working with the team this week and we found some amazing details in here. And two, I found if you don't read Luke 2 at Christmas, people leave the church. People leave the church for the craziest reasons, but we've literally had emails like, you didn't read Luke 2 at Christmas, I'm leaving. Well, just don't know. So we're gonna read it because we don't want you to leave. And so we'll leave after this service. We have a six o'clock service coming in, like actually pretty quickly because the parking lot's crazy, but come back January 2nd in Jesus' name. Luke 2, still here? All good? Still here. All right, Luke 2, verse eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying, lying in a manger. How many of you have read that story before, heard that story before? It's fine if you have, and if you're new to church, that's completely okay if it's the first time you've ever heard Luke 2, but how many of you have read it or heard it one time before today? Most of the room here at Winter Park. Come on, Sanford, South, uh, Oviedo as well. How many, uh, 10 times? Okay, good. 50 times? 100 times? 500 times? Super Christians getting in the room. 1,000 times? 10,000 times, sir, you're a liar. God sees you. Gift of grace is for you, too. Super spiritual, Pastor Eddie. You're gonna hate it around here. Swaddling clothes in a manger. Swaddling clothes in a manger. Poetic, consistent. Always read it and thought, yeah. Maybe need some cloths to be wrapped in, somewhere to be laid, a food trough. I always thought they kind of just were turned away from the end and they ended up there. You ever felt like in life you got turned away from where you thought you, where you should be and you just ended up somewhere? God still used it, but you weren't sure how intentional it was. I wanna go through Luke 2 and show you the intentionality of our God that he was working for thousands of years before this very moment. Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. See, these shepherds were not normal shepherds. Most scholars believe these shepherds would have been Levitical shepherds, which means they would have been from the tribe of Levi. And if you're new to church and you've not studied the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of, of God in the Old Testament would have been in charge of worship. They would have been in charge of the preparation of animals for sacrifice because before Jesus, when the people of God would make mistakes, there'd have to be an atonement or a making right of those mistakes and it would have to be, require the shedding of blood. Usually the firstborn of livestock, in this case, the firstborn sheep or the firstborn lamb. Maybe connecting the dots that Jesus is the perfect lamb of God. We'll get there in just a moment. Swaddling clothes, manger, Levitical shepherds. Why is this important? Because these Levitical shepherds would have been in charge of watching over these sheep for their whole life, preparing them for the day of their sacrifice at the temple. That was their job. Have you ever thought about in this moment right here where the angel of the Lord comes down and says, here's what will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. If the angel of the Lord came down right now and said, hey, here's the sign, go find Jesus, find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. First off, I don't, I don't know anybody that so calls it a babe. I don't know what swaddling clothes are. I haven't seen a manger. But let's put ourselves in their context. Bethlehem's not a small town. There would have been more than one manger, more than one baby being born. How did these Levitical shepherds know where to go? Because they had been there before. How do we know that? Because if you study one of the ancient uh, 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 rabbi translations or, or, or texts, oral traditions called the Mishnah, what you will see is that swaddling clothes were what was used to prepare the firstborn lamb without spot and without blemish in a manger. Before they took it to the temple, they had to inspect it to make sure the sacrifice was worthy to be offered as worship to God. So when the, when, the, when the angel of the Lord came down and said, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, they knew exactly where that cave, where that manger would be, because that's exactly where they had inspected the lambs to be prepared for the sacrifice. Why is that important? Because God was sending his one and only son to be the once and for all perfect spotless lamb. And he was in the same spot where for generations, lambs had been sacrificed for the atonement of sins. What that tells us is that God did not sent Jesus to do away with the law, what it tells us is he sent Jesus to fulfill the law in the very time, in the very place. Swaddling clothes would not have been something that Mary and Joseph would have traveled with. They would have been set there in advance, prepared for them, which means when they showed up at the inn, they didn't not get in because Joseph forgot to book the reservation. Come on. Joseph didn't Forget to click confirm on that last page on Priceline or Orbitz. Come on. Mary had been on a donkey for days or weeks. Joseph had one job and he forgot it. No. It wasn't a closed door because they forgot. It wasn't a closed door because it was accident. They didn't just end up at the manger. They were sent there the whole time. And I just want you to hear tonight, there's been some closed doors in your life. There's been some people that have shut the door in your face that there's no room for you in this family. There's no room for you in this season. There's no room for you on this path. They thought their destination, they thought their fulfillment, they thought where Jesus was gonna be born was the end and in comfort and in a place that made sense. But God God had a different plan. And I just want you to begin to open up your eyes to the details of what God could be doing in this season that we thought you were going here and it was a closed door in earthly perspective, but that's because heaven had a different path and a different plan for your future. And all of the details are being worked out because that's how God does it. And he gives us, catch this, he gives us the grace to take the detour. He gives us the grace to have the patience and the perspective and the faith to take a no and still seek the yes that he has for us on a different path. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. God's grace, God's grace to us is the gift of eternity. But you and I have a role and I wanna close with Ephesians chapter two, but I wanna make it personal this evening. Ephesians 2 says, God saved you. And if we're not careful, we'll always read that for somebody else. 
We always read Bible stories because we, we know the end of it, so we never give the, the central characters enough credit for their faith journey. And we always read things for somebody else. God's gonna set somebody else free. God's gonna heal somebody else. God's gonna restore somebody else. God's gonna save somebody else. That's for somebody else. I need you to hear today that God saved you. When you read that, you read that in first person. God saved me. He saved me. You know you, you know what you've said, what you've done. I need you here today. There's nothing you can say or do that separate you from God. God saved you when he sent the son Jesus. He says, the Bible says in Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God saved you, he saved me. How? By his grace. There's a part we play, read that next line. When you believe. God's presented the gift. He's wrapped it up. He's delivered it. The question is, will you and I open it? How do we do that, Pastor? How do we open this gift of grace? To receive the gift of Jesus. It's simple, but it's, it's difficult. We have to surrender. And we don't like giving up control. We love that Jesus is our savior and he is. He saved you from your sins. He did for you what you could never do for yourself. But Romans 10 doesn't say confess him as savior. We love Jesus as father and he's the best father you ever had. I don't know if you had a great father or a bad father. It doesn't matter. God is the best father you could ever have. Doesn't say confess him as friend and he will be the closest friend you'll ever have. The best friend, the most consistent friend, the most unfailing friend, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says he is a great friend, but as they confess him as friend, in Romans 10, how are we saved? How do we receive this gift of Jesus? We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he is Lord. Why is that term important? Because lordship means control. And that's where we get stuck. That means he has control over your thoughts and your emotions and your time and your resources and your plans. That's what it means to receive Jesus. It's a free gift, but to receive it, we have to give up control. I wanna give you that opportunity this evening at an Action Church Christmas to give up control, to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads at Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, Oviedo, everybody joining us in your homes worshiping this evening. We've talked about it. Jesus lived a perfect life for you. He's the perfect spotless lamb symbolizes he entered, wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. He died as you, like in your place. The Bible says we actually had an exchange there where, where we took his righteousness and he took our sin and our shame. The cross gives you access to grace, forgiveness, mercy, your very salvation. The resurrection gives you and me access to power over sin and the grave. Death has lost its finality, it's lost its sting. But to receive today, you have to believe. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. I wanna give you that chance right now. For some of you, it's for the first time ever. Others of you, maybe you've walked aisles, you've prayed prayers, you've raised your hand, you've, you've thought of him as friend, father, savior, but, but today, you know, pastor, to receive this, I have to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I have to give him control. And today is more of a day of recommitment. If that's you, 
You say, I want today to be the first day for the rest of my life. I want to receive this gift for the first time ever or by recommitting my life for the, for the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I am giving my life to Jesus. I am receiving this gift of grace. I am turning over a new page, a new season. I'm surrendering my life. Got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Whole row right there. Yep. Several more in the front back here. Got you in the back. Anybody else? There's a moment between you and God. He brought you here. No mistakes. God's in the details and he brought you into this place. Come on, South Orlando, Sanford, Oviedo. Two more in the back here, three. Worshiping with your family right now at home. God is speaking to you. So proud of you. Honored to share this moment with you. Put your hands down. Why don't you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say something like this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I'm confessing with my mouth that I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I pray for all of us today. I pray that we would reflect and remember that we don't deserve it, we cannot earn it, but that if we allow it, it is unending. So I pray for grace in our lives grace in our families, grace in our situations, an amazing and abundant grace as we trust more in you, as we give you more access that you would lead us, you guide us, you protect us. In Jesus' name, it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? Come on, a couple of dozen here across all of our locations. So proud of you.